Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for joining me today. I have a super special guest with me. Her name is Addie. Addie's my daughter. She's 24. She lives in Berlin, and she graduated from college during the pandemic. She went off to New York and from New York to Berlin. She'll tell us more about that in our conversation, but I'm so happy I've had her home for a few weeks. The best part about having Addie around, well, it's not the best part, but one of the most wonderful parts is that my husband and I are the better for having had her. She sees the world in a way that we would never have seen if we hadn't had her. So a few weeks ago, actually a few months already, we went to Berlin to have a visit with her and to see the world through her eyes. Currently, Addie's living there. She's been there for about a year. And she's involved in the world of art, technology, cryptocurrency, and NFTs. I don't even know what half that stuff means. But through Addie's eyes and patience, I'm able to have a little bit of an understanding so that when I read what's happening, I have an inkling of what I'm reading. She is her father's daughter. They have the intellect, the tenacity, and the ability to explain difficult concepts in a way that people can really understand. I hope that at the end of this conversation, you'll have a chance to understand a little bit more about some of the words being thrown around in the media today. And if there's any other questions you might have, we'll put a link in the show notes. Um, First of all, I'm so happy you're home. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) And um, for those who aren't lucky enough to know you like I do, if we met you at a party and asked you about what you do and a little bit about yourself. What would you tell us? Sure. So the line that I normally go with is that I'm a writer and editor living in Berlin. Um, And one of the things that I like about living there is that often when you meet people in a social setting, the first thing that they ask isn't just, so what do you do? Uh, As has been the case in many of the other cities that I've lived in. It's a really creative community, and I think a lot of people have interests that extend beyond um, the day job. But I'm really lucky to have a day job there that I feel super stimulated by. Um, So I work for an artist's studio. His name is Simon Denny, and he's been based in Berlin for around 15 years. Um, He was one of the first artists to really rigorously engage with blockchain technology in his work. And uh, he has been making art about tech and business culture. Whoa, that's so interesting. How did you even find out about Simon and how did you get to Berlin? Yeah, so I moved to Berlin about a year ago, almost exactly a year as of this week, to work for a magazine that I had been writing for for a couple of years prior An opportunity came up to work on their editorial staff, and it was sort of a -a once-in-a-lifetime dream, so I took it. Uh, Ended up in Berlin working for them for about a year, and it it releases in print four times a year. And every seasonal print issue has a theme. So the theme of the winter issue that I worked on was Web3, And the magazine revolved around a lot of really exciting developments in emerging technology, primarily in the blockchain space, which is a really big kind of up-and-coming scene in Berlin. Um, Or at this point, not even really up-and-coming. It's 
pretty established and perhaps like the closest thing to a flagship industry that the city has. So I learned a lot about that um, in the process of putting together this publication, which is nominally an art magazine, um, but kind of spun off into these different research rabbit holes um, relating to cryptocurrency and crypto art. And from there, I found a whole world of interest and fascination that drew on my undergraduate education in media studies in a lot of unexpected ways, found myself wanting to pursue that in greater depth, um, and sort of stumbled into an opportunity to work for Simon, whose own career path and research um, aligns quite closely with um, my, my own interests and desires. So it was a super fortuitous unfolding. It's funny how that happens, isn't it? Yeah, crazy. Right? I fell into my world and my work as well. Just spontaneously, somebody said, you should talk to somebody. And there I was learning about something that I had no idea was going to align with something I was interested in that I had discovered many years earlier in my own work. So you have approached, it seems to me, this world um, as a non-tech person. And there's a lot of lingo that flies around. And I'm wondering if you can help us understand at a very high and simple level what some of this means, like blockchain tech and emerging and crypto and NFTs. Yeah. So as, as you mentioned, I am totally coming at this from a non-technical angle, and there is a lot of jargon in this industry. So maybe blockchain is a good place to start because that's sort of the underlying technology that makes this all possible. A blockchain is a public record of transactions, which is verified by its users, and no one person owns it. So everyone has to agree to make a change. And once changes are made, they're visible to everyone. Um, Basically, it's a public, transparent, and decentralized ledger. And that seems really specific, but it's the underlying tool that makes a lot of other different technologies possible. One of the primary use cases is cryptocurrency or like decentralized digital money. Um, But another one is sometimes referred to as Web3, which is a way of reimagining the internet to run using blockchains instead of on proprietary closed-in private tech platforms, um, or what's sometimes referred to as Web2, the internet we have right now, where most of the stuff you do on your computer is facilitated by companies like Google, Amazon, Apple, Facebook. Um, So as an alternative, a blockchain is one way of... um, of doing distributed and decentralized networking that all the users own equally uh, on a verified public ledger. Can you tell us a little bit about what an NFT is and how that fits in with the blockchain and art? Yeah. So an NFT, like a cryptocurrency, is a really popular recent way of utilizing blockchain technology. Um, And basically, it's a way of using cryptographic tokens to make digital assets like artworks or music files or videos um, unique and traceable with this public verified ownership history. So that's really important in the art world in particular. 
um, where ownership and provenance are so central to the construction of an artwork's value, right? When you walk into a contemporary art gallery, um, if you want to buy a painting, the value of the painting isn't just determined by who made it, but by who's owned it previously and where it could go on the secondary market. And all of these questions of a work's ownership and transaction history are baked into its present value. So NFTs uh, basically made digital assets ownable and traceable the way that physical assets had long been in the art market. Um, And that's a way of making these seemingly abundant and non-unique digital files traceable and saleable. So some people uh, think that's not great because it basically means that you're making something that could be infinite into a finite source of speculative financial value. And there is truth to that. But on the other hand, it's also been a huge breakthrough in that it sort of newly enables a lot of people working in digital media to get paid for their work and to find a market for it that parallels the kinds of markets that have existed for other art forms offline. Wow. So this NFT and art world crossover, if you will, is this tied in in any way to the exhibit that we saw when we visited you in Berlin? Yeah, totally. Um, so when when you and dad were in Berlin, your first night in town, we had a very Berlin evening, um, seeing a one night only pop-up exhibition of net art and crypto art. Uh, put on by an institution there called Panka Gallery. And they're a really cool Berlin organization that's been working with tech art for years. Um, but the two things that they were showing that night, one was crypto-related and one was not. Net art is sort of an early like movement of um, art being made digitally on the early internet. And to some people's mind, NFTs are a contemporary revival of the net art tradition because they allow artists who are working with similar tools to find a new market um, for the stuff that they're making. So this was a group exhibition with work by um, kind of all the big names in net art and crypto art, including some folks who live in Berlin, like Harm van den Dorpel and Sarah Friend. I can give you their names for the show notes. Yeah, but that would um, be great. Yeah, so pe- people who are making NFTs, but also people who are making art that's conceptually about blockchain technology or that critically reflects on the ways that this technology is being used, not just works that harness the potential of crypto to make art profitable, um, but works that question you know, how art and profit interact in the first place and that stage these kind of more in-depth conversations around art marketization and value. So Simon also had a piece in the show um, from a series of his called Dotcom Seance, where he sells NFTs of re-envisioned logos for companies that failed in the dot-com bubble crash in 2000 um, and sort of claims to like spiritually re-enliven dead Web 1.0 companies using Web 3 technology. So in that work, there's like a really direct critical reflection on Uh, speculative bubbles in the history of the internet and the way that Web3 could be a continuation of some of the questions set forth in the early internet or Web1. And that kind of continuity is what was being staged uh, between the two camps of work that we saw that night. Wow, Addie, oh my gosh, your mind is so full. (gasps) Wow. (laughs) 
I don't even know where some of this has come from. And I'm wondering, where do you derive inspiration for what fills your mind? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I I feel really fortunate to be surrounded by a super interesting community um, full of people who are many years deeper into a lot of these topics than I am. Uh, A lot of people who I really look up to in Berlin and elsewhere if I can shout some of them out, um, Maria Paula Fernandez, who was there that night, uh, and her work with an organization in Berlin called the Department of Decentralization has been really formative on my thinking. Also, um, my friend Toby Shorin in New York and his applied research organization, Other Internet, where he publishes writing and research about some of these questions surrounding aesthetics, the internet, markets, and value, um, My friend Melanie Hoff, who's an organizer at the School for Poetic Computation, which is an organization in New York teaching classes about critical theory and technology, where I sort of first encountered some of these questions in the first place. Melanie also organizes a really incredible community space called Hex House in Brooklyn, um, which is an outgrowth of some previous shared studio space projects I had been um, really privileged to be involved with under her stewardship during my time in New York. So really just amazing um, communities. And I guess that's a testament to the value of peer-to-peer networking, right? Um, All knowledge is amplified by network effects. And I'm grateful to be in the sort of shared circuits that some of these people have laid out. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit because not everybody has access to these incredible folks you've just mentioned. Um, And I know from time with you in your home and when we spent the pandemic basically working and living Mm 24-7, one of the things that you brought home from school with your undergraduate degree in film studies and media theory was um, also lighter things that I found delightful. And, um, you know, like we just laid around and binged uncoupled. (laughs) <laughs> and, you know, through uh, what some of the shows that we watched or some of the movies that we saw. And I'm curious, how do you find shows and movies and music that has also influenced um, how you spend your time when you're not doing what you have to do? Yeah. Well, uh, part, of, part of that answer, I think, has to be the fact that I love doing what I have to do, and I do it in my downtime Um you know, in in pursuit of the excitement of learning. But that's a really dorky-ass answer, so I'll try and do you better. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, yeah, the Netflix algorithm draws me in as much as anyone else. Um, I love watching vlogs on YouTube, like beauty tutorials and yoga teachers telling me, you know, what they do in their morning routine. <laughs> I'm as susceptible to craft like that as anyone else is. Um, there are also some cool platforms that introduce me to new stuff like the Nina protocol um, at nina.market online, which is a blockchain-based music radio streaming platform that enables people to buy music from creators they like using Solana, which is an eco-friendly cryptocurrency. Um, I learned about that through some folks I used to work for at an experimental music venue in New York. I also listened to NTS radio. There are a lot of um, recurring NTS shows with guest DJs. It's broadcast out of London. Um, you can listen to it online at nts.live. 
they've got a great feature where you can just pick from like a list of adjectives or genres that describe the kind of thing you want to hear. And um, it'll pull together some search results of like random crazy combinations of stuff like, I don't know, um, Jewish disco or <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> and if, if you can think of these two, like if you can think of any two adjectives to pair, it's in their archive. So yeah, I think that the tools and platforms that we use to discover the content we engage with um, shape the possibilities for what we might find. Why don't we switch gears? Um, you know, one of the things that I've done with with guests is fitting with our theme of emerging tech. And it's um, it's called Deep Thinking Questions. Okay. I love deep thinking. Big fan of deep thinking over here. Can I get a plus one for deep thinking? <laughs> Snaps for deep thinking. So um, in all of my episodes, I talk about Dan Pink. You know Dan Pink, right? Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, – Dan Pink uses every day this AI algorithm. It's called Deep Talk, a year's worth of daily questions generated by a machine. And he runs through and he picks a number one through 365, and then he writes about that answer. So you want to play? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So why don't you go ahead and pick a number from one through 365, and let's see what, it, it, what question it generates that will put you on the spot to answer. All right, give me 333. <laughs> oh, my God. Did you look that up? No. Oh, seriously? No, I picked it, no, I picked, I picked it because it's an angel number. Um, but <laughs> my mom is screaming. You Okay, the guests who are listening can't hear. They can't see your screen right now. So okay. you have to tell them why we're howling. Okay. Question 333 says, how are you most different from your parents? We could not have staged that better. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, oh, my God. I was not expecting psychoanalysis today. Um, how am I most different from my parents? I, I don't know. I feel quite strongly like I'm a combination of the both of you. And like maybe through that hybridity, there's some kind of difference like – I think that my creativity really clearly comes from you and I feel super, super fortunate to have like a mama, a role model in my life who's pursuing creative passions the way that you have, not just now, but throughout my lifetime. Um, and then dad, on the other hand, is like more quantitative. And I feel that my kind of my current interests and the stuff that I'm engaged with now falls somewhere between those two realms. So maybe I'm a little bit different from each of you in that respect but I've like found my way towards pieces of each of what you bring um I guess that makes me <laughs> how am I most different from you well the answer is that we're very much the same <laughs> um, I don't know you know this is one that <laughs> my yeah I can I yeah. jump in with yeah. a little bit? I don't have a good answer. So maybe you maybe do. you can save me some some years and dollars in therapy by telling me how we're most different so that I, I don't have to <laughs> figure this one out myself. Well, I think there's a lot of ways that we're different, um, that you're different from Daddy and I. And that is, I think, you, um, you have an ability to see the world through a very 
well, Daddy does too, a very fair lens, but you have a very broad view of the world and, a, and, I, and as I said, a very fair view. You have a lot of different kinds of friends. You've met a lot of different people in your life. I think you have a huge tolerance for difference where we kind of grew up in a little bit more of a conditioned and social box. I think you are different from us in that there really isn't a box for you. So that's just one of the ways that I see it. And I do think you are a blend of us and that you've taken that blend and you've used it as a foundation to stand on and to be in the world as it is today versus how we think it should be. Oh, that's a beautiful answer. Yeah. Given a second to think about it, I would say the way in which I'm most different from my parents is that they're both um, centrist liberals and I'm an anarcho-libertarian. Okay. (laughs) And on that note. (laughs) I'm joking about being an anarcho-libertarian. Yeah. I'm so glad to hear that. Um, All right. Well, Addie, I am so happy you've been home. Thank you for supporting me and cheering me on with Mindful Conversations and more than anything for being one of the conversations because this conversation is something we do have at our dinner table and I don't always understand. And I think you did a wonderful job of explaining some things today and I hope that those listening will walk away having also learned a little bit of something new as well. Yeah, it's my great pleasure. I'm really honored that you wanted to have me on and- It's hard what you do. I have a newfound respect for it. Being on a podcast, it's scary. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, love. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in.